Amen, amen. Baylor, how we doing? It's so great to be with you guys. Um, I've spent some time in this city. I married uh, a Baylor grad. I got married actually at Truett Seminary, not far from here. Got a lot of trouble uh, close to where we are right now. And so it's just great to be back here as a Christ follower with you. Uh, I love TA. Uh, let me just start here, okay? So if you come here all the time or you're new here, um, I wish that there were guys like you that would speak into my life when I was uh, at and near this campus. And so TA is not just a great friend, but just in case you don't know, uh, he is an incredible man of God, a God-fearing man, uh, a man who wants to lead his wife well, lead his family well, invest in his boys, and you guys are blessed to, to be led by him every week. I, I wish... Uh, I was in your shoes when, when I was around this place and lived in Waco. And so I am super excited to be with you guys tonight. My name is JP, as they said, or Jonathan Pacluda, and uh, I live in Dallas. Um, but like I said, my wife is from here. And so I just want to start with this question. What comes to your mind when you think about the word exclusivity? What comes to your mind when you think about the word Exclusivity. And I will tell you that as people, we love exclusive things. People, uh, marketing experts and companies uh, market to this idea of exclusivity. You guys go to Baylor, okay? Not everybody can get in Baylor. Do you know that in 2013, Baylor turned away about 13,000 applicants? Okay, about half of the people that apply to go to college here, that's folks that actually think they can get in, don't get in. There, there's a part of that that you, you like. You're like, yeah, I'm here, I'm in. It's exclusive. Some of you will go the Greek route. About 15% of you men will come here and you will go, you will be in a fraternity at Baylor. And there's a part of you that likes that you, that you made this special club. About 28% of you women will say, yeah, I'm in. I, I'm in. I'm, I'm a part of this exclusive thing. I have this exclusive friendship, exclusive relationships. There's parts of exclusivity that we really, really like. And, and then there's parts of exclusivity that we don't like, that we reject. Because it feels intolerant. It feels closed to many people. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you this story. When I moved to Dallas, I was a brand new Christian and had just kind of come out of the bar scene, the club scene. And uh, a friend or this, this person I met had invited me to this exclusive dinner, if you will. It was at this club. And, it was, and, and so they told me about it. And, they, and so I go and there's this long line of people I kind of pull up to this place there on Knox Henderson, if you know Dallas at all. And, and there's this, just this door in the side of this building. And there's this bouncer standing at the door. I mean, it's this big, huge bald guy looks like he ate a school bus for lunch kind of just huge character and, and there's these line of people and I'm, I'm waiting in line and he's holding this list and there's this guy about three people in front of me he gets up to him and the guy gives him his name and he looks at his list and he and he looks again and he turns the page and he turns the page and the bouncer looks down at him and just shakes his head and the dude does the walk of shame back to his car which really had me concerned because now I'm thinking, man, what if my friend, I'm supposed to meet them there. What if they didn't put my name on the list? What if I got to get up there and give them my name and in front of all these people got to do the walk of shame back to my car? And for so many folks, this is what they think about when they think about Jesus. That Jesus is this bouncer up in heaven standing there, checking his list, shaking his head, saying, no, trap door button. Sending people to hell. And so as we think about critiquing Christianity, one of the biggest criticisms of Christianity is this, that it's intolerant. 
or that it's exclusive. And so I want to address this from the scriptures this evening, if you guys will let me. And you have to, because I have the microphone. We're talking about the exclusivity of Jesus, religious tolerance. I want to give you some stats, show you this is a problem among our generation. Uh, the fastest growing religious expression among the millennials, that's us, that's, that's uh, anybody uh, born between 1980 and 2000. The fastest growing religious expression among us is called the nuns. Okay, this is people with no religious affiliation, atheist or agnostic. This group makes up about 35% of our peers. Now that was, has grown fast in the baby boomer generation. It was just 17%. And then in Gen X, only 23%. Now 35%, Pew Research Center says. And so we have to figure out what is going on that people say, hey, I'm, I'm, I don't want to you know, associate myself with any one religion. And, and so millennials, we tend to think that it doesn't matter what you believe. And in fact, about 65% of us call ourselves Christians. 43% said it doesn't matter what religious faith you follow because they all teach the same lessons. You ever heard that? They all teach about the same thing. 70% of all major Christian and non-Christian religious groups say many religions can lead to eternal life. 68% says there's more than one true way to interpret the teachings of my religion. And 50% of our peers believe that all people are eventually saved or accepted by God no matter what they do or about what they believe. And here's what that means. We just sang those songs, Jay Wood and the band led us, and we're singing, you know, we're singing to Jesus. But there's this new flavor of Christianity that says Jesus didn't have to die. That, that God was foolish that he sent his son to a cross because there's lots of other ways that you can be saved. What a crazy narrative that God, the father, would allow his son Jesus to die because there's other ways to get to him. That's a new flavor of Christianity. And can I tell you something else? We invented that flavor. When I say we, I mean our generation, our peer group, our friends, those that we, some of you, you're here tonight and you're like, you've said these things, I'm spiritual, but not religious. I don't want to really want to associate. I don't want to be titled or labeled by anything specific. Jesus didn't have to die for me. It wasn't necessary that he died. And so this evening, for just a few minutes, we're together. I want to talk about how Jesus is the way, what that actually means. What does it mean that Jesus is the truth? And before you leave here this evening, what does it mean that Jesus is the life? And I hope this message becomes a resource to you, one that you can look back to, one that you can share when folks come up and say, hey, but don't all religions basically teach the same thing? Aren't there many ways to God? And so I'm going to be in John chapter 14, if you want to turn there in your Bible, to a familiar verse that you've probably read or heard before. And to set John chapter 14 up, I'll start in verse 1, but... Let me just tell you what's going on in John 13. It's the Last Supper. And Jesus, he's there with his boys. And he's telling them all these crazy things. He's like, hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to die. I'm going to be betrayed and crucified, tortured publicly. And some of you are going to leave me. And Peter's like, no, bro. I will never, ever leave you, Jesus. I love you. Nothing, that you, nothing they could do to me would ever cause me to leave you. And he's like, oh, yeah. Bro, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. He's like, no, I'll, I'll never do it. That will never happen. And so there's just this heavy weightiness sitting on the disciples. 
Jesus has told them that Satan's going to sift them like wheat. That's not fun. He, he's told them, hey, I'm going to be crucified, tortured, buried. I'm, I'm going to be killed. He said, hey, some of you are going to betray me. And so there's just a heaviness. And so he starts in one of the most intimate, one of the most comforting verses in all of the scripture. He says here in verse one. But wait, guys, hey, come here. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. I'm sure you've read that maybe at some point in the past. We don't really know what's going on there in the Greek at just a face reading, at just a face value. What Jesus is actually using is the Jewish metaphor. See, a young Hebrew boy would go to his father's house and prepare a room for his bride. And then he'd come back for her at an hour and a time that she didn't know. And he'd take her home to be his wife forever. And Jesus is using this very intimate language with his friends. He said, I'm going to my father's house to prepare a room for you. And, and, and I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you to be there with me forever and ever and ever. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas, doubting Thomas, said, But Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In the English, those two words, I am, fail us so bad. In the Greek, it's I, comma, and only I, comma, am. I absolutely am. Now, this is the same word, the, the same name that God gave himself. In fact, in John 18, when Jesus said these words to say, hey, we're, we're looking for the one who calls himself the Messiah. Jesus says, I am. And you know what happens? They fall to the ground. It's like this science fiction picture at, the, at those two words, I am. They fall over to the ground. These really powerful words, these powerful names for God. Jesus says, I and only I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And that sounds really exclusive, Jesus. It sounds really intolerant, Jesus. Why are you using this language like you're claiming to be God? It's the same words God used in Exodus 3, verse 14. And so what does it mean that Jesus is the way my first point this evening is that jesus is the only way to eternal life with god that's what he means when he calls himself the way he's the only way to eternal life with god jesus is specifically answering the question hey how do we get to where you are going which is heaven how do we get eternal life do you know that 81 percent of americans believe that there is uh, life after death but no one can tell you how to get to life after death Except someone who's been there and comes back and says, hey, this is what's there and this is how you get there. And Jesus was the only person that's done that. Said, hey, this is how you get to the life, the place where I come from, life after death. This is how you get there. And so can all ways lead to God? Only if Jesus is a liar. Only if God's son is wrong. Only if he did not speak the truth right here. 
And so people will tell you things like, well, all religions teach the same thing or, or all religions are basically right. All religions are basically true. And so let's just take a few minutes and look at what some religions teach. I'll start with Islam. This comes from the book of the, the Quran. It says, whoever prefers a religion other than Islam, it shall definitely not be accepted from him. And in the hereafter, he shall be among the losers. That's pretty exclusive. It also says this in the Quran. They have certainly disbelieved who say Allah is the Messiah, the son of Mary. Allah has forbidden him paradise and his refuge is the fire. Wow. That's pretty exclusive. Basically saying, if you claim that God is the son of Mary, you're going to hell. That's the message version. Hinduism teaches this. Krishna this is Krishna says this in the Bhagavad Gita, the, the Hindu sacred writings. Those who are without faith in my teaching cannot attain Krishna or enlightenment. I permeate all the universe in my unmanifest form. All beings exist, exist within me. If you do not accept this view that you do not exist, you will never achieve Hindu salvation. That's pretty exclusive. And important to note that the way, not, not only is the way different, but also the end result is different in, in Hindu Religion believes in reincarnation, not that you would go to heaven, that, but you would come back to life as another animal or another being or another human. So e even the destination is different. Buddhism teaches this. This comes from their sacred writings. Buddhism is the only path. There is none other for the purification of insight. It is the only path. Walking upon this path, you will make an end of suffering. And this passage is specifically called the way. And in the Jewish tradition, exclusivity manifests in the concept of the God's chosen people, in which anyone who does not accept the teachings of the Jewish monotheism or of Jewish monotheism is excluded from the messianic world to come. And so here's the, here's the deal, Baylor. We can coexist here, but we will not coexist in eternity. We can coexist here. We can have cool bumper stickers that say that, but we will not. Here's the hard truth, and I'm, I'm saying this in love to you so that you might pass it on in love to others. We cannot coexist in eternity because all, and to say the most uneducated, most ignorant statement we could possibly say is that all those religions are right because they all absolutely contradict themselves. And so if you say that they're all right, you're actually saying that they're all wrong. If you say that they're all right, you don't know what they actually teach. They all absolutely say all the other religions are wrong. And so only one of them can be right or none of them can be right, but they absolutely cannot all be right. And that would be the most ignorant stance one could take, meaning uneducated stance. Recently, Monica and I, or not, not all that recently, but it's been over a year, we went to New York City for vacation and... Um, and so we did New York big, man. I mean, we, we did kind of stayed off Times Square and we, we got this bus. It's kind of this double decker bus that you could hop on and hop off. And we went and saw Wall Street and the Empire State Building and, and we toured all over uh, New York City. And so one of our kind of bucket list things to do in New York was, and we were really far from home, was we wanted to ride the subway. And so we got kind of like the furthest we were going to be from our hotel. And we thought, you know what, we'll just take the subway back. And so we went underground and we went and we purchased a ticket. And then I'm, I'm looking at this map 
And it's got like green lines and yellow lines and red lines and black lines. And, and I mean, it looked like a gospel presentation there in, in New York. And I'm like trying to figure out how to go. And so I see Times Square and I see where a hotel is, but I can't figure out which, which train is going to take me there. And this guy walks up, this friendly New Yorker comes up to me and he says, hey, you need some help, bro? And I'm like, yeah, man, we're staying at this hotel. And I told him the name and and I said, we're, we're trying to get back. And I don't know which one's going to go. And he says, oh, man, you need the, the green line. He said, the green line will take you a block away. You'll be good to go. Now, here's what I didn't say in response to him. The green line, huh? Bro, how dare you? You're so close-minded, intolerant. Telling me only one way is going to get me to my hotel? Like... Like that's, oh, it's like that, huh? Like I can only take the green. Well, what if I want to jump on the red line? What, the red line's not going to take me there? Like how come you're going to come to me and say there's only one way there? How are you going to say that to me? No, you know what I said? Thank you. That's the truth I needed. And imagine in my distress, like I'm sitting there and I'm like, I don't know which one's going to take us home. He comes up to me. He's like, hey, is there a problem? I'm like, yeah, I don't know which one of these trains is going to get me back to where I want to go. Imagine just for a moment, what if he just goes, Oh, man, it's all good. Take any of them. They'll all take you right there where you want to be. Like if I believed him, you you know how I'd respond? I'd be pretty grateful. I'd be like, oh, man, thank you so much for that. I didn't know they'd all take me right there. They all end right there. That's that's incredible truth. I'd give them a hug, man, maybe a kiss on the cheek. No, probably not. But but thank you so much for that. And then I get off. I get on that train and I get off in some dark, you know, terrible alley in a bad area of New York, further from my destination, we get mugged at gunpoint. Am I going to be grateful then? What am I going to wish that? I would, man, I wish that dude would have just told me the truth instead of what he thought I wanted to hear. I wish he would have told me the way. I wish he would have said, hey, this is how I know. No, I know I, I've studied this map. I've spent some time looking at this map and I can tell you exactly how to go. And this is the way to go. And you can reject it if you want. But, but based on where you said you want it to end up, this is the path that takes you there. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the only line to God. I mean, if there were other ways, don't you think? Like I've got a son, Weston, three years old. And like, I love you all, Baylor, but... I'm not inclined to kill him for any of you to save your life. I love him too much. And so it seems like a loving God, if there was another way, when Jesus was in the garden, like, hey, let this cup pass from me. He'd have been like, okay, there's lots of ways. Jesus, you don't have to die. No big deal. Oh, you, want, oh, you don't want to go to the cross. Okay, no big deal. We don't have to live out that narrative. They can be saved by just being good. They'll just be good. Just follow the rules. So what does it mean that Jesus is the truth? My second point this evening is this. Jesus is the truth that defines reality in the world he made. Abraham Kuyper says that there's not a square inch over all of creation of which Jesus does not hover over and cry out, Mine! Made made by me and for me. Mine. He owns it. He's the prince of the world. He's the king of the universe. And so I'm not just talking about what is true. I'm talking about truth. Truth goes beyond what is simply factual. Truth defines the way that things are. When something is true, 
Check this out. When something is true, it can be rejected by everyone and still be true. Baylor, let's do this for just a second, okay? So I know that you're with me, if you will. Uh, everybody take a good pointer finger like this. Just grab a good pointer finger, stick in there just like this, okay? Everybody, I'd love full participation. You're going to have to trust me on this, okay? You're really going to have to trust me on this. If you would, for just a moment, okay? And no one's going to steal your purse. For just a moment, would you shut your eyes? Please, shut your eyes for a moment. Okay, now I want you to quickly and effectively point north. Okay, quickly, quickly. Yes, you, quickly. Okay, now open your eyes. Okay, I just want to talk to those of you that point is straight up real quick. <laughs> Let me show you which way A&M is, okay? You guys can go. Uh, oh, man. Um, wow. Wow, wow. Hey, um, okay, that, that was way better than I thought it would be, okay? Some of you pointed that direction. I saw you. Uh, uh, north is right there. Okay, okay, yeah, attaboy. That's right. Some of you are like, yes, I got it, I got it. No, hey, hey, some of you pointed this direction. Hey, did it change north? When you said north was that way, was it that way? Is all of a sudden north that way? If you go that way, you say, I'm going to go north, I go that way, is it, is it north? No, you didn't change north. North is an absolute truth. It's that way. It didn't change. It's right there. And then some of you, check this out. Some of you are like, oh man, I pointed north, I got it. I, I told them I'm good at directions, I'm smart, I deserve to be at Baylor. You know what? Not a one of you, not a one of you that pointed that way pointed due north. See, if you travel due north, you'll, you'll go through Dallas, really about Fort Worth, then Lincoln, Nebraska, and if you go due north, you'll eventually hit Winnipeg, Canada. But you know, if you're off by one degree, you will miss Dallas altogether. If you're off by one degree, you might miss Canada. And so while you pointed in the direction of north, very few of you pointed the absolute, if any of you pointed the absolutely north. It's, it's a truth hardwired into creation. This is the truth that Jesus defines the reality that we live in that you were created by him and for him when you begin to focus on yourself when you begin to wonder when he's going to ask me out and think so much about you and you can't sleep and wonder if you're going to make the team and wonder if you're going to make the grade and get completely if I walk into a room wonder if everybody's talking to me you've missed your purpose you have forsaken while you're here wondering why you didn't get to do all the fun things that everybody else on Instagram got to do why you were left out You've forgotten your purpose, that you were made by Jesus for Jesus. To live out his purpose, to, to live out his purpose um, for you. His plans, incredible plans for your life. Colossians 1 verse 16 says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him, that's Jesus, and for him, that's Jesus. And so your atheist, non-believing friend who rejects all religions was made by Jesus for Jesus. He belongs to Jesus. Everyone you know belongs, was made by Jesus. This is an absolute truth. And we have no problems with absolute truths. If you don't eat, you're going to starve. That's an absolute truth. We don't, have, we don't take issue with those kinds of absolute truths. But here's the deal. If you don't walk in right relationship with Jesus, your soul's going to starve. Because you were made to be in right relationship with him. And you cannot live this life any other way apart from him. See, the world says they want freedom. 
And here's the deal. The world says that freedom comes from you determining what is true. That you have the freedom to determine what is true. But Jesus, the one who invented the world and created the world, says that if you find what is actually true, then you will be free. Then and only then will you be free when you find out what is absolutely true and you live by it. John 8 verse 32 says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I've got two little girls, Finley who is six and Presley who is eight. And uh, they love animals. I wish they didn't, but they do. They love animals. They always want a pet. And I, I know I'm going to lose this battle. And when Finley was, was uh, four years old, we would have to go to Petco all the time. Like she was like, I just want to go. Let's see if there's cats there today. You know? And so we'd go to Petco. And I know I'm, she's, I'm going to lose this battle one day. I know she's going to get an animal one day. And so when we walk into Petco, I'm always trying to coerce her to, to look at the fish. I'm like, hey, check out these beta fish, man. They're beautiful, like purple and stuff, and they swim around. It's amazing. Look at how incredible those fish are. I bet you could train them to do tricks. You should get a fish one day. If you ever want an animal, fish is the way to go. I'm like telling her, I'm trying to brainwash her in these things. And, um, and so one day we're there at Petco. We're looking at the beta fish and the little bowls, and she goes, it's just not fair, Daddy. And I said, what's not fair? And she goes, it's not fair. It seems so unloving that they keep them in these, in these bowls of water. If I had a fish, I'd take it for a walk. I said, Finley Bear, how would you take it for a walk? She goes, in my pocket. She says, it's unloving that they keep them in these little bowls of water. If I had a fish, I would put it in my pocket and love on it. Now, we laugh because that, that would be really unloving. Right? And, and nasty. Yeah, I know. And, and, and it would die. Why? Because that fish was made to exist in right relationship with water. And if that fish says it's not fair that you've got legs and you can walk around and I can't, right? That, that doesn't change the truth of which that fish was created for. That fish was created to be in right relationship with water. Likewise, friends, you, and I know that yet you think about you a whole lot. I, I did too. I do too. I still suffer from that. But you were made to be in right relationship with Jesus, that Jesus would be the biggest thing in your life. Not, not this thing that you'd add to your life like a trailer or a sticker, but, but the movement, the car, the vehicle, the engine, the road that you travel on, that he would be everything in your life. That you would wake up thinking about him, go to bed thinking about him, that you would live your life wondering what he would have you do at every turn, that you would walk in right relationship with him. That he would be your water. The air you breathe. That's what you were invented. That's why you were created. To walk with him like that fish in water. And so G the truth is we need Jesus for life as he created. And so what does it mean that Jesus is the life? My third and final point. It means that life as it is intended cannot exist apart from Jesus. Life as it is intended cannot exist apart from from Jesus, that he knows best how life is lived, that he lived this life as an example. He says that the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but he's come so that you might have life and have it to the fullest in John 10, 10. And so Jesus calls us to him. He calls us away from our sin. See, sin is not just a bad idea. Sin in every single time leads to death. Every single time it leads to death. Sin always costs you something. No one in the history of history has ever gotten away with sin. 
It's never made them better, faster, stronger, long term. Every single time you sin, there's death that creeps in your life. God did not make you to be in right relationship with sin. He purchased you from it through the blood of his son, Jesus. His death and resurrection for the forgiveness of your sins. Not that you'd walk in shame, but that you'd walk in right relationship with him. And this is why a message of tolerance towards sin is so unbelievably unloving. Because Jesus calls us from that which brings death to that which gives us life. And so our best strategy is to call believers and non-believers alike to know, to know Jesus. I'm not talking about behavior modification. I'm not trying to get you to simply stop looking at pornography or simply going too far in relationships or, or simply to stop getting drunk. I'm calling you to a right relationship with Jesus. And when you walk in right relationship with Jesus, all of those things will take care of themselves. And so we share the gospel with believers and non-believers alike. Believers need to be reminded of it. This is who you are. And non-believers need to know that the truth, that, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Because there's this opposing message to this thing. Our generation invented this something they're calling new tolerance. New tolerance. The old tolerance said this, that, that you accept the existence of different views. Old tolerance looks like this. I'm Christian. You're Muslim. We can sit down. We can have conversations. We can talk about where we disagree. I'm Christian. You're atheist. I can share my beliefs with you. You can share with me why we don't believe. We can get along. We can be fine. We don't hate each other. Okay? That's old tolerance. New tolerance says that you must accept different beliefs. Not the existence of different beliefs, but that you must say all beliefs are right and true. That's what our generation invented. That's the new tolerance that they live by. It's ignorant. It doesn't make sense. They can't all be true. It is foolish to say that anybody that tells you that, you should educate them to the reality that they can't all be true. That you're tolerant that other beliefs exist, but you are not tolerant by believing other beliefs. That would be foolish. It contradicts what you believe at your core. And so I want to give you a heads up on something that's happening and it's going to happen. Um, whenever you give a message that comes across as intolerant, you're going to be blamed for things. And so I just read this article of, of, of folks who come out of the, came out of the uh, pornography industry and they said, that, lo and behold, that suicide rates are really high in the pornography industry, that people that work in the pornography industry, they um, often are depressed, and, and sometimes that results in suicide. And so you read that, and you're like, of course, because they're pursuing a way that leads to death. Jesus said that would happen. It's an apologetic for our faith. It's, it's right and true. That's why that happens. When you sin, you, you go to dark places. It's the way that the world is created post-fall, or, or the way that the world is wired now post-fall. It just happens. I mean, it'll happen to you, it'll happen to me, it'll happen to anybody that continues to pursue death and call it life. But what they're going to say is, no, the reason that we're suicidal, the reason that we're depressed, is because you're intolerant to our occupation. No, 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 it's because you made it difficult for me by rejecting what I do professionally, and therefore, because you're intolerant of my occupation, now I'm sad and depressed. But that's not the case. I don't want you to be sad and depressed. That's why I'm intolerant of your occupation. 
I'm trying to tell you that if you continue in that way, you're going to be sad and depressed. By the way, I'm right. You see that old tolerance, new tolerance? I I can't tolerate you hurting yourself. I I can't tolerate you calling what is deadly fine and acceptable and okay. That's not loving. I I love you too much to do that. I care about you way too much to do that. And so people want to make their own way by their own truth. And find life in sin. And so I know so many of us are here tonight. And we're not, you know, we're not Muslim or we're not atheist. You may say, hey, I'm a Christian. You claim Jesus. But you might as well be Muslim or atheist. Because you're not walking with Jesus. You're not following Jesus. You're like, I'm a Christ follower. I'm a Christian. Why were you a Christian? I was born a Christian. I go to Baylor. No, 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 no. What you do in your private life defines your faith. The way you pray when you're all by yourself. The way you pursue God when no one else is looking. That will define your faith. The, the way that you pursue God when nobody else sees you and nobody else will ever know except you and God. Peter in Acts 4, he goes before the Sanhedrin and they're going to kill him. And it would have been a great time to say, hey guys, there's lots of ways. Hey, you know, because he's preaching Jesus is the only way, so they're about to kill him. And these guys, I mean, he was crucified upside down. And so Peter and John are there before the Sadducees and, and, and they deny the resurrection, the people who are there. And they say this, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. How intolerant is that? Why did they have such an intolerant message when they're about to die for it? Why wouldn't they just take the out? And say, hey guys, there's lots of ways, man. There's lots of ways. You know why? Because they saw him come back to life. Them and 500 other people, the scriptures say. And 2015 years ago, see, when I was on Baylor, I didn't believe this truth. When I was here at Baylor, I did whatever I wanted to do. Slept with whoever I wanted to sleep with. Looked at whatever I wanted to look at. Drank whatever I wanted to drink. Snorted whatever I wanted to snort. Smoked whatever I wanted to smoke when I was here. You know what's gross to would have told you I was a Christian, would have shared the gospel with you. I had two faces. I mean, I showed up to this thing on Monday nights at Baylor. How gross is that, man? What's wrong with me? I just didn't know God. I didn't know. I didn't understand that he had sent his son. I would have told you he sent his son to die for my sins. I didn't really believe me. The truth hadn't wrecked my life, though. It hadn't changed me. In summary, Jesus is the only way to heaven. Jesus is the truth that we live by. And life as it is meant to be is only found in him. And so in conclusion, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So right about now as we wrap up, you might be asking, well, what about those that never hear? I mean, if he really is this path, this narrow path, wide is the road that leads to destruction and many will find it, but narrow is the gate that leads to life and few will find it, the scripture says. If that's true, what about those that are born to other nations, other countries? And, and I've had the opportunity to travel the world and share the gospel. And recently I was uh, on this show that is broadcasted into Muslim countries and into Iran and uh, three to six million Muslims 
listen. And so they wanted to talk and interview me and, and share my testimony and talk about what I was seeing in the lives of young adults here in the States. And so there's there, I have this earpiece and, and the show is translated into Farsi as it's broadcasted into Iran. And I'm sharing my story and I point to Christ and I'm like, you know, Jesus Christ came and he died for my sins, for my pornography addiction, for, for my sexual sin, for, you know, the things that I had done, my partying, my, my, uh, the way that I had abused women. Christ died for that and he had given me new life. When I followed him, he gave me a new life. And I'm saying these things and then they take in callers. And so this girl calls in, this 12-year-old girl calls in, and he's talking to her, and, and he's, somebody's translating in my ear from Farsi to English, and she just says, I, I had a dream about that guy last night. And so the person who's interviewer says, uh, you, you mean JP, you had a, a dream about JP? Says, no, 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 not that guy, the guy he's talking about. In, in my dream, God said, hey, this is my son Jesus, he's died for your sins, I never heard of Jesus, but last night I dreamt about the guy he's talking about. No one's there to share the gospel with her. And she has a dream about Jesus. I'm, I'm like, is this really happening? I mean, I'm kind of on the show. I mean, I'm live on TV. I'm like, hey, hold on. Wait, what, what did she say? You know, but it, but it wasn't unfamiliar to me because not long before that, a couple of years before that, I was in Africa. I was in the Maasai Mara in the jungles of Africa. Everybody wants to know about the Bushman in Africa. I'm there in the jungles. I'm sitting on this bench and this lady with this huge smile walks up to me, this very dark skinned, thick accent lady, African lady and says, hey, may I ask you a question in this thick, I won't give you the accent, but in this thick African accent, may I ask you, and I said, sure. She goes, are you saved? And I said, well, it depends on what do you mean by saved? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of your sins? I said, yes, I'm saved. She goes, oh, I'm saved too. I am saved too. It's so good to see someone who is saved. And I said, well, how did you get saved? And she goes, oh, you know, I've always believed that there's a God. And he speaks to me in my dreams. And one day in my dream, he told me about his son Jesus and what he did. And I said, oh, that's so fantastic. I said, so a missionary came here and shared the gospel. And then you had a dream about it. And she looked at me confused and she says, no missionary came here. And I said, well, how did you know his name was Jesus? And she said, that was his name in my dream. She said, God said, this is my son. He's died for your sins. And, and he, I've raised him from the dead so that you might have eternal life. And, and so I'm just sitting there and I'm like, what? And, and so I'm just, I know that some of you think that there's this door here and that Jesus is this bouncer and he's checking lists and saying, hey, you can get in and you can't. And he's so exclusive. But, and here's the reality. Christianity is an exclusive faith, faith, but it is the most inclusive of all exclusive faiths. Because the truth is, Jesus is standing here at the, at the gate of a bunker, and there's a bomb headed for the world. The world is going to blow up. It's going to be destroyed. And he's standing at the gate of this bunker saying, hey, come in. Everybody come in. You come in. And you come in. And you come in. And everybody comes in. And we walk by and we see him. We're like, no, nah, we don't need the bunker, man. Life's good. You saying that, oh, you're saying destruction's coming? No, I don't need to go inside there, man. No, I'm going to keep living my life. He's like, no, you've got to come in. You don't understand. I've given my life for you. I've died for your sins. Come in here. And by the grace and mercy of God, one of you might say, okay, I'm going to go. And he says, wait, wait, wait. Before you do, go and get more people. 
Go out there to Baylor. Go to Waco. Go back to your hometown. Bring them in. Tell them I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Bring them in. Go and, and spread all of your relational equity. Everything you can do. Anything you can say to bring them in here so that they might live forever and ever and ever. Does that sound exclusive? Doesn't that sound pretty inclusive? That Jesus is like, no, I love them. Tell them how much I love them. Tell them that I died for them because they think about them so much. I gave my life for them. And bring them in. And would you bring them in? Would you leverage everything you are and everything you know so that they might come in and have a right relationship with me? Would you tell them to stop wasting their lives on them so that they'd be better and faster and better looking and richer? That they would stop finding significance in the world and begin to realize that they were made by me and for me so that we can walk in right relationship. That, that they would do everything, every breath they have, every minute, every second they live, that they would spend it pursuing me. So that we might be together in my Father's kingdom forever and ever and ever. So I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray that you would. Uh, there's a part of me that, that does this because I know I squandered my life when I was your age. I know I squandered so much when I lived in the city. I don't want that for you. If I could go, people say no regrets. Man, I have so many regrets. So many regrets. I look in the rearview mirror, there's so much carnage. There's so much destruction. So I'm going to pray, and, and they're going to sing two songs. If you've got to go, go. If you need somewhere to be, you've got a test in the morning. You've got to get a good night's sleep. Go, so be it. But if you can stay and worship the creator of the heavens and the earth with us, do that. I'd, I'd love for you to do that with us. Father, thank you so much for the way that you've called us into relationship with you by the name of your son, Jesus Christ, who says that no one can come to you except through him. Father, some of us find it amusing and entertaining that people come to you through dreams and God, it, it is convicting that they even have to. It makes me wonder if we're doing our jobs when you say in Luke 19 that even the rocks will cry out. That's if we don't share. And so, Father, would you help us share? Would you give us the courage to share? Father, I know there's friends here that are listening to this and they realize they're on the same trajectory I was when I was here. Living their lives wasted on them. Father, would you change that even now as we sing the song? Would you just change the trajectory, change the due north of their hearts to point it to you? Lord, we love you. We thank you that we can gather like this. Thank you for TA in this ministry. I pray that you'd bless it like crazy. pray that you'd bless it like crazy. Bless this university like crazy. Make this ground holy ground. In Jesus' name.